Welcome back to a Unity Moment, presented by Detroit Unity Temple. I'm producer Jesse, and your hosts this evening are... Good day, my name is Pastor Gregory Geisen. I'm a senior minister right here at Detroit Unity Temple. I want to welcome you to a Unity Moment, and I'm with my wonderful colleagues... Reverend Melanie porch And Reverend David Stubbs. We like to say thank you for joining us again for a Unity Moment right here, sponsored by Detroit Unity Temple. We have an exciting program today. We're going to go into a wonderful event as we talk about discovering the power within you. And our focus this week, my good colleagues, we're going to look at Eric's Butterworth book. And he brought out something in that book called The Beatitudes. That's an exciting chapter in his book. And Melanie, you asked me a question as we began this program. You said, well, how many people actually know who Eric Butterworth is? That's right. And let me begin and just share that with you. Eric Butterworth is an outstanding unity minister who actually, in this very building that we broadcast from, he, this magnificent white building located right here at 17505 2nd Avenue, he was a minister that took this building and he had the vision of building this building with white marble structure in the 50s. This cornerstone of this building was put here in 1956. Can you imagine, Melanie and David, Reverend David, that here's a man who was a unity minister who took over the Detroit Unity Temple and he had this vision. He said, I want to place a white marble structure right here. We're going to be a church. Back in the 50s, most churches were in that typical structure with the steeple and the cross on the top. But he saw something else. Because remember on White Stone Sunday, we were talking about the white marble and, and place a name. And he saw in him in this structure and he pulled his congregation together and said, we're going to build something. And we're going to build a building, a structure for people to recognize. And, and it was glimmering and it was shining. And he thought about it and he said, we're going to put a building right here. And we're going to call it, make it a wonderful edifice for Detroit Unity Temple. And still today, it is how I tell people where we're located. Like <laughs> White Marble say? Building, they never mess up. You're like, right in the middle of Palmer Park. Like, I know exactly where it is. And so, that yeah. place. Mm -hmm. And there, that. upon that rock, you know, people yeah. saw that that's where Detroit Unity Temple was going to be built on. Absolutely. The Reverend Eric Butterworth. Well, what Eric Butterworth also saw is he wrote a book. At that particular time, he said, discover the power within you, a guide to the unexplored depths within each of us, a book that sold millions of copies. And I want to share with you what Oprah Winfrey said. She said, this book changed my perspective on life and religion. She said, Eric Butterworth teaches that God isn't up there. He exists in, around, above, and through each of us. And it's up to us to seek the divine within. And that was a fantastic idea that she brought forward. So in this very book itself, and, if you, and those of you who may be listening, I tell you, you can find this book all over the country. Mm -hmm. And it sold millions of copies already. But we're going to focus on just the sixth chapter. Something that was called the amazing... B attitudes. Yep. How did he spell that? How did he put that chapter together? Uh, he took the B attitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. He, he spelled it capital B, capital E, the B, how we are to be, the B attitudes. And so we love that. 
most people in Unity have read Discover the Power Within You. And so what what I know, Reverend Geist, is that soon you'll be making it a class again. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> I can see it already happening. And so and it's absolutely wonderful. But I love that Oprah said, yes, it is just showing that God works in, through, and as you. For so long, we were taught that God was on the outside. And if we keep doing this and begging and beseeching, we'll get to God. And so it's just taught us that God is on the inside of each. So wherever we are, God is. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I want to share with you, for those who have not read this book, but it was really a book that talks about Jesus' life going forward. And in his life, it takes you in the very beginning of the book as it talks about his basic discoveries. Because if you were to follow the book itself, it begins with the first chapter called The Eternal Quest. Then the second chapter talks about his great discovery and the third chapter talk about that great decision. Reverend Dave, you know what that great discovery was that he spoke about? That part of the discovery moved us from knowing who we were to discovering who we truly are. Right, that divinity within, within ourselves. Us. And in that divinity, it began telling us in this book called the Discover, Discover the Power Within You. And so Eric Butterworth takes us on this journey and the fourth chapter talks about Jesus' unique concept of God. And that unique concept of God was Jesus began to realize that that God within us. But lo and behold, he tells us we move from that miserable sinner to becoming masters. And so what I love about unity is when we say sin, our concept is you missed the mark. So that just means this time, right, you might not have gotten it right. And so I like the analogy of like the director, take one, take two, you do it until you get it right. And so I even have that in my office, that little clipboard. And so you just do it until you get it right. So it's not, you did this, you're going to burn, you're going to do it. It wasn't any of that. We just missed the mark this time. So next time we'll do something a little different. I believe one of the writers also wrote and said, we are not punished mm -hmm. because of our sins. We're punished by our sin. Mm -hmm. So when you miss the mark, that brings the punishment or the so-called correction that has to be made in order to get by that again. Mm -hmm. And that's what led us to this wonderful chapter six. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, people don't realize that Jesus, this is the only sermon that he ever gave that was actually prepared. And can you imagine this? It says, it begins by saying, if we want to know the basic philosophy of a scientist, or a politician or a scholar, it is logical to study his speeches, especially those which are made to fellow members of his profession. Thus, it would seem equally logical if we want to discover what Jesus really taught to lay aside for a while the tomes upon tomes of sermons and essays about Jesus and study the only sermon that Jesus gave that is completely recorded in his immortal sermon on the mount. Now think about it. This is the only mm -hmm. sermon that was ever recorded. David, what do you think about that? I'm looking at it from a point, especially from a metaphysical standpoint. The Bible opens up, it says, and seeing the multitude, he went up into the mountain. Now we begin to realize here that this is an activity that is taking place within us. He said, and seeing the multitude, he had them sit down. 
He said he'd open his mouth and taught them saying. So this whole idea about the Beatitudes is letting us know this is the attitude that you're going to have to take if you're going to bring forth the Christ of God consciousness. Oh, now you're talking. And I, and and Melody, where does in the Bible do you find the Sermon on the Mount? Tell me where. Okay. I'm going to refer to it. Yep. Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Yep. So for those of you listening, I want you to just grab your Bible as we go through this. And I want you to go to Matthew. Melody says the chapter 5. Yes. Through 7. And if you happen to have the book itself, Discover the Power Within, we want you to go to page 57 if you have the newest and latest copy. And in there, and, and be, he begins by talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Go ahead, Melanie. No, yeah, that's, and, I, I'm, I'm with you now. Come it on. says it's a well-detained, well-organized piece of masterful writings. Mm-hmm. Then there was a gentleman by the name of Dr. George Lamsa who says that he believes Jesus actually had a carefully prepared manuscript for this particular sermon. Most of us don't think of Jesus as taking time to prepare a sermon. And this quite likely fell into the hands of Matthew. It says it is interesting point since Matthew is the only writer who records the sermon in his unabridged form. It says there's a shorter version that appears in Luke 6, chapter 17 to 49, verse, which appears to have been copied from the Matthews version. And they said the sermon proper is introduced by its eight-verse prose poem that has been called the Beatitudes, which is generally summation of the whole religion, religion of Jesus. He does not commence by saying, you must do this or thou shall not do that. And notice that comes from what took place in the Old Testament. And the prophets which underline conformity to external practices as keeping the Sabbath and observing the Passover. What I I love about this is when you go a little further is that everyone begins with blessed or blessed, and that's an important word when it says to confer prosperity upon Talk or to, to enrich. Now. That's that's just really important because for me, once again, that's just that comes from within for me. So when you just say, you know, we are blessed, blessed, blessed are right, that's right. wonderful, right? So right. Lee, I like that. Yeah. No, that, that is that's so important. Yeah. That's so important. You know, and for those of you who are reading right along with us. It goes on said on page 58, if you was reading right along with us in chapter 6, it says that Jesus taught no theology or doctrine. That is a very important part. What do you think of that, David? Exactly, because all of the doctrines and theologies that have come after him, he did not teach. It also says Jesus did not create a dogma. That's right. He did not. He taught the truth. And all of the doctrines and dogmas that have come as a result of him have come after him. And check this out. It says, his teachings are simple, direct, and practical. Practical. Oh. Christianity. Unity, yeah, that's unity, what right? <laughs> yeah. It says, all the complexities, all forms, the ceremonies, the rituals, the customs, and the costumes have been added through the long years of evolution of religion about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus did not authorize such things <laughs> 
And then in this book we're, we're looking at right now, for those of you who are following us on this moment, a unity moment, is that Emmett Fox. David, would you take that paragraph right there? Certainly. It says, Emmett Fox says, perfectly sincere men, for example, have appointed themselves Christian leaders with the most imposing and pretentious titles and then clothe themselves in elaborate <laughs> and gorgeous vestments to better impress the people in spite of the fact that their master in the plainest language strictly charged his followers that they must do nothing of the kind, but be ye not called rabbi for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. Now, to go and take the rest of that paragraph. The, the Beatitudes, Beatitudes, as it says, begins with the word blessed. It is an important word. To bless is to confer prosperity upon, to enrich. Thus, blessed makes a wonderful promise, telling you what will happen if you condition your mind to the full acceptance of these attitudes. In each case, through the eight B attitudes, the blessed or blessed is the one word definition of all the good that will uh, come uh. to you if you understand and live by these amazing attitudes of being. That's what you would talk about, yeah. Melody, yeah. when That's you said important. that it starts off with that statement right there if you you know if you come into that idea for our listeners before we go any further i'd like to say this program is brought to you by detroit unity temple located at 17505 second avenue a wonderful program that we simply call a unity moment my name is pastor gregory guys and this is Reverend Melanie Porch Donahue. And Reverend David Stubbs. And you are listening to a Unity Moment. And we're discussing a book that was sponsored and written by Reverend Eric Butterworth. And it's titled Discover the Power Within You. And we're actually focusing on Chapter 6 called The Beatitude. If you have it with you, go ahead and pull it out as we go through this chapter. I'm telling you right now, it might be a two-part series. And we're just flowing with it right now, allowing the Spirit to move through us. The first of the beatitude that we're going to examine right now is called blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Melanie, we're going to look at that one right there because according to Eric Butterworth, this one is so often misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take the first part of David, you follow through and Melanie, you can join in with us as we go through it and we break this one down first. Blessed are the poor in the spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, Eric goes at it this way. We have, been, we have been a long time outgrowing the misunderstanding that the systematic, systematized this beatitude. Throughout the ages of Christianity, it has been a virtue to be poor. <laughs> suffer patiently through your poverty today, for in the, some future heaven, you will have your reward. This theme has prevailed throughout the teachings about Jesus, but it is a misunderstanding of the meaning implicit in these significant words. The root word that is translated spirit is more accurately and meaningfully translated pride. And if you go to that, the next one, it says to be poor in spirit or pride means to empty yourself of the desire Come on to now. exercise personal will 
in the quest for self-realization. Go ahead. And Come. so that's, that whole thing is just a humbleness, just to be humble, just to humble yourself. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Mm -hmm. Now, so often, if you take it for, let's bring it, break it down today, Mel, and you're good about breaking things down today. So give us an example. And so one of the things that we want to do is I, I just spoke not too long ago about Women's Month. We don't want to walk around with this haughty attitude thinking that we are, you know, many times people will say, you're going to make me lose my religion or you're going to do, what, what does that mean? <laughs> Right, like you're gonna put my stuff to the side. No, we empty yourself up of, uh, out of this ego and let God shine through. That's the humbleness. That's the the, the 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 kindness, the gentleness that we need to have. And then we know um, that the kingdom of heaven is yours, and the kingdom of heaven is right now and within. That's the so, important thing. So to be poor in spirit means to let go of that ego. Let go That's of right. the ego. You don't yeah. have to be. You don't have to be all that swag you think yeah. you got. Yeah. You don't have to walk around telling people who you are. That's what we like to tell people. We love titles and all that. We don't have to do any of that. So to empty yourself of all that. Yeah, all that. Think? Get rid of it. Go ahead. And a personal an example of that is that in everything that Jesus did, his affirmation was, Father, not my will, but thine that's be right. done. And that's the example that we must take is that we're not perpetuating our will. We are being imbued and alive with the willingness to allow the will of God to work through us. Blessed are the poor in pride. Blessed are they who can let go of the attempt to understand intellectually, who accept the deep things of spirit as a little child. Blessed are they who are teachable and open-minded and receptive to the truth, willing to renounce preconceived opinion and prejudice and entertain a new concept of life. Oh, if you listening to this, I love it. If you go to college today and you want to understand the new science of the universe in the light of what has developed in the spiritual atomic computer age, you have to relinquish a lot of ideas that you may have learned in the facts in the high school and chemistry or <laughs> physics of, the, of these years today. Notice one thing. This is the first. This is the first. This yeah. is the first. So if you're going to do anything else, Talk according to, to Jesus' teaching, mm -hmm. you got to let go of that ego. Hey. You've got to relinquish your own selfish pride. And that's the first step that you've got to acquiesce you know, to. And who says that I might decrease so that you can increase? You know, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and think about where we are in our society today. Some people are so blocked. Mm -hmm. You know, they think they, they're all that. Yep. But but we're, now we're talking about the word be attitude. you got to have the right attitude. The right attitude. Because God can't come in if you got all that stuff that's blocking right. the doorway. Now, let's examine this. David, what is the next one? Or Melanie, I think, why don't you take the next one? So, you know, I am a grief and loss therapist. That's kind of one of my favorites. And it says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so when I think about this, um, it reminds me of my our unity um, of the first basic principle. And God is good and active in everything, everywhere. And so people are going to mourn. There are mm -hmm. people who have lost things. And right now, not only physical people, people have lost employment and relationships and just different things. But the blessing is they're going to be comforted. So we know that that's going to come. It's going to be a time when people are, uh, there's a sadness that comes around, but he's still good. He's active in everything, everywhere. And it's those who comfort them, to me, who are the blessing. So when we do this, we don't focus so much on the loss all the time, but the healing journey. Like, how do we get, how are we getting back? What, what's going to take us back and bring us back to that? Knowing that the morning is going to happen, 
but what are we going to do to bring them back to that um, to that, that that space of, of wholeness again? And as, as you so correct, but it says this has usually been interpreted to mean you are richly blessed to have tragedy and sorrow now, because your reward will come in a future heaven. Mm-hmm. But he goes on to say, I'm, but this is not at all what Jesus had in mind in this beatitude. Jesus is not saying that it's necessary for man to sorrow or to experience tragedies, but there can be no sorrow or sense of tragedy to one who understands the dynamics of his own innate divinity. Truly know himself will not fall victim of sadness or grief, for he will always be the master of himself in every circumstance. And you know, I love what you're saying. Jesus is telling us that there are two ways by which we may come into knowledge of the truth and experience the releasement of our inner power. We can be poor in spirit as we talk about and simply let go instantly with receptivity of a little child and let our Christ self express. And two, we can resist the truth of our divinity until our life is devastated by the fruits of wrong thinking, such as sickness, sorrow, and failure. And then in these experiences, we may find our self-will broken down Placed by a new desire to reach for the absolute truth of God. And so the the one thing that catches me is that it says that Jesus is saying the man who sorrows is fortunate. For in his sorrow, he may come to experience God's presence in his life. And 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 why I love that, when you think about uh, like AA, they say when you hit rock bottom, sometimes when you're in a place of mourning, you are, um, that's your rock bottom. Like Mm -hmm. you feel like it's your lowest, but that's when God gets to show up. In, through, and as you. That's when God's presence gets Speaking to show up. Speaking of the title of the book is yeah. Discover right. the Power How Within, within you. you. And sometimes you can't discover that. Until, yeah. Until you that moment. They say it's a man's extremity mm-hmm. is God's opportunity. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is what we see. And as Mr. Fox even added a footnote to that, he said there's no better time to experience or discover God or a true understanding of God in you until you've had mm-hmm. a discomfort in your and life. And you're speaking mm-hmm. about Emmett Fox. I, yeah. want, I want our readers to understand. We're yes. not talking about Red Fox. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, I just had to bring that out because so in this podcast, I want people to understand you're talking about Emmett Fox, mm-hmm. another great physician, metaphysician, mm-hmm. and teacher. But there's a, a wonderful affirmation that goes along with that. Do you see that? Is that I am grateful for challenges that lead me beyond my extremity. To God's opportunity. opportunity. That's why I had to bring that. That's it. Say that. We only have a few more minutes. I do believe we have about five more minutes. So we're going to try to get one more in before we have. Oh, we have 10 more minutes for our listeners. So I hope you're enjoying this as much as we are talking about it. This third one that we're going to talk about is blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. And this one is so important. Because it says, considering from the human standpoint, this statement or promise is ridiculous. It is the most certainly the progressive and not the meek who inherit Mm -hmm. and possess the earth. In fact, the average individual has many discouraging moments when he broods on the great injustice of life because they are always seen to get the breaks. Some have thought that Jesus is taking the future millennium when these things would come to pass, when the quiet and the timid will have, have the upper hand, and the aggressive and the outbearing will be rendered emboldened. However, Jesus insists the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His teachings always dealt with the now 
of experience. Actually, Jesus is not talking about meekness as an approach to people. He's is referring to an attitude towards God. Jesus was meek towards God. He knew of, I of myself can do nothing. And so when I think about that, I just want to tell you, seven years ago, uh, one of my good friends made her uh, transition <coughs> from this physical plane. But as she was doing so, her goddaughter said to me, she said, Miss Melanie, as she was leaving, she started singing. And that was the last thing she sang is I give myself away. And that's the song. I just give myself away. And for me, that's the meekness. It's like, Lord, I know that I can't do this alone. Wherever I'm going, I just want you to be with me. So she sang that as she was transitioning out of here. That wow. to me is the gentleness, the kindness, the meekness that she left. You know what I'm saying? With that spirit. And so even though I miss her here physically, that um, is important for me because I know that she knew the Lord and she knew just that humbleness towards, you know, God, like you, you've got this. And, and right there in the book, it says meekness is a sensitivityness or surrender of mm -hmm. consciousness to the influence of something. When Jesus says, blessed are the meek, he doesn't mean a surrender to people, but to God. Yeah. The yeah. best conductor of electricity is a substance that is least resistant to the flow of electrical current. Yeah. You know, when you surrender to God. Yeah. Just as you're talking about. Go ahead. Brother. People yeah. people think sometimes surrender means uh, a giving up. Mm -hmm. But actually surrender is a mental activity that relinquishes your own dominating personal will. And then when people think about meekness, they think about somebody's going to walk all over you or somebody you're going to let walk all over you and do things. But this meekness that they're speaking of here is a surrender. It's allowing <laughs> the spirit of God to work through you. And to know that even if somebody else meant it for evil, that God will turn it around. We know that and mean it for good. That's right. And so, yeah, my white stone this year, that is my word, surrender. So I, I pull it out my purse and I just start rubbing it. That You know, that's my, I, I'm here to surrender. Lord, I'm, you know, I'm here to surrender. And it says right here in the book again, the meek consciousness is not self-centered. It is God-centered. Mm -hmm. It is humble in the recognition of human limitation, but confident in the conviction of divine resource. It is not afraid of public opinion or of resistance, not even of, of failure, but success to this person is not a matter of public acceptance, but of God acceptance. Mm -hmm. However, true meekness is not a show of humility or arrogance, self-basement or track attention. But Thomas Mann was visiting America for the first time when Hollywood literally based himself not for the novelist, emphasizing that he was nothing, a mere hack, his work not to mention is the same breath that of a master. Man listened to infinite patience and courtesy, but when his, the party was over, he turned to the host, an old friend and said, the man has no right to make himself so small. He is not that big. Realizing the great source of wisdom is intuition, the great source of vision is insight, and the great source of power is innate spiritual power. You know, when we can just go to God and just open ourselves to that God mm -hmm. idea, mm -hmm. you know, it is just so... Wonderful to know that God is who we are. All that God is, I am. And all that I am, God is. And wisdom is the power for this month. So that's absolutely wonderful. And I love that it talks about not being uh, worried about failure. And who said it before? I think uh, Eugene Franklin told us that failure is not uh, futile, it's feedback. <laughs> and so we just kind of learn from it, right? Yeah. And so there's some times when you get up and you want to talk and you want to be this perfect. And then I stop and go... These folk know I'm just Melanie. Like they know, and, and I think they appreciate it more. You know what I'm saying? When you have a few like hiccups and they're like, okay, 
She's human because sometimes people struggle with following or listening to people they think think that they're perfect. So you know, you don't have to worry about thinking that I'm that because I'm gonna let you know. It's as much as I yeah, yeah, I'm not that, and I'm okay with telling you. I'm okay. Like I'm human. We make some mistakes and we do some different things. Mistake. Take one. Take two. David, why don't you read that affirmation at the bottom? It says, "I am in tune with God." That which is God-inspired and God-directed shall prevail. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to A Unity Moment, sponsored by Detroit Unity Temple. We're located at 17505 2nd Avenue. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And as we went through just discussing a short portion of these Beatitudes written and brought together through Eric Butterworth, this book, Discover the Power Within You. And we're going to leave it with those three Beatitudes that we've talked about. We're going to come back again next week or at our next broadcast and finish going through this book with you. Because this is a wonderful book with so many fantastic points that we have to cover. So we want you to tell your friends and listen to it. And please join us for our Sunday broadcast as well on, on our 10 a.m. service, Sunday service. And you can be a part of this service as well. Send us a note. Let us know what you think about this podcast. Mm-hmm. Melanie, is there anything you'd like to share before we leave? I want to say, well, by the time we come back in a week, most of you already have it. So pull it back out again and revisit it. And for those of you who don't, um, discover the power within you. Go get it. You will love it. It will definitely bless your life. Reverend David. It is such an awakening when you think that you know something. And then you go back and read it and you find out something that you didn't know. So this is the experience of going back through these Beatitudes. And I'm telling you, you know, this book was actually brought to us by Spirit. So we might do a little bit more into this book and just bring this book to you through a podcast. Because as we began to go through it, there's so much material here. We just want to say once again, thank you. This program is brought to you by Detroit Unity Temple, a wonderful unity moment. My name is Pastor Gregory Geisen. Reverend Melanie Porch Donahue. And Reverend David Stubbs. So we want you all to know that we are the Temple Collectively together. And we know that this has been a fabulous moment. So we're going to say this thought with you. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. And the presence of God washes over us. Wherever we are. God is. Have a beautiful moment, everyone. Take care. May God always bless. And please know that we are one in spirit.